Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. I'm going to play football. coming down from the gallows and I don't have very coming to the United States. Actually, it was 1983, if I correct myself. But this is the day after what could have been a nuclear disaster of epic proportions that the Pittsburgh Steelers turned around and won, and won like champions. Hello again, my friends. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and you are welcome to join us in the Steelers' hangover. Now, there are definitely some people hungover from what they saw on television or if they saw it live yesterday. That was a crazy, crazy game. Something in my 40 years of fandom, I can't really tell you that I've seen. So that was the first for me. I know they came back in 2007 against Baltimore, being down 16 points in the second half. But this was one of epic proportions, if you ask me. So this is what I'm thinking, folks. Good teams win when they play good. Great teams win when they play ugly. And yesterday may have been ugly, but champions prevail when they come through in the clutch. And that's exactly what Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Vance McDonald et al. did. And I'm glad you could join us. Once again, The Hangover is brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. For everything Steelers, you'll love it, whether it's commentary, whether it's breaking news, whether it's predictions. You've got it all. About 10 articles a day, it is just a fanfare of Steelerdom. And one of my favorite partners here on The Hangover, actually my only partner here on The Hangover, is my good friend Tony Defio. Tony, how hungover are you after that victory? Uh, actually, I'm 
feeling pretty hungover right now because uh, I actually felt like I was dreaming. I didn't think that they were ever going to score a, a touchdown, let alone three in the last 17 minutes. So uh, it was just a tremendous comeback and uh, and a great win. And now they're on six in a row. Six in a row indeed, Tony. And this has got to bode well with six games left in the season. Getting by a Jacksonville team that uh, owned you last year, owned you in two games, even though you scored 42 points against that defense last year, it didn't matter. That is a stifling defense. And Jeff Hartman and I were having a conversation about two weeks ago. He, uh, Jeff likes to text me at random and just ask me a question. And uh, this question was, besides the AFC North, who is the Pittsburgh Steelers' biggest rival? And I thought about it, and the only, only name I could come up with was the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's exactly who he was thinking as well. I would think they're their biggest rival right now. Um, just record-wise, since their inception, they were division mates one time in the old AFC Central. But uh, there's definitely hatred. And I've been into that stadium where uh, they dislike us a whole lot more than we dislike them. But I think with all the trash talking, everything that was going on yesterday, I feel like uh, they would fit very well in the AFC North right now. And um, next to the Bengals and the Ravens and – for the most part, I guess the Cleveland Browns there. Would you agree that they are a top-notch rival for the Steelers? Oh, yeah, they've been they've been a, a handful for Pittsburgh since 1995. I mean, the very first game they played against them in Jacksonville, they, they beat the Steelers the year they went to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, they've been they've been a handful and and they were their top rival in you know, the latter part of the, the uh late 90s in the AFC Central division so yeah they've been and obviously we know what they've done recently and 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 they clearly have a little brother syndrome though because you you have to do it every year i mean they they beat up on the steelers twice last year and they beat them up pretty good yesterday too but the good teams come to play every year the patriots the steelers those kind of teams come to play every year and and the jaguars need to realize that of course they probably also need to realize they need a new quarterback too but they need to realize that they have to uh, bring it every year and they can't just be up and down. So, yeah, they are their biggest rivals, and I think yesterday may have taught them a lesson for the future. And you know what? That is – they played their A game yesterday. That Jacksonville team put everything they had on the field. Um, but here's a big question, and a lot of people have been saying this, and this is the theme of the hangover tonight. It's simply this. Did Jackson give, Jacksonville give away the game, or did the Steelers take that game away in the fourth quarter? I hate to cop, cop out, but I think it was a little bit of both. I think the Steelers took the game because they, they, they found a way to make the plays at the, in, in the fourth quarter on offense especially. Um, you know, Juju with his two great combat catches, Vance McDonald, obviously with uh, what A.B. did and, and, and Ben at the end. But – you know, you got to trust your quarterback there in the fourth quarter if you're Jacksonville. I mean, you drafted him third overall five years ago. He's in the fifth season, and you just don't trust him. You know, you're relying on your running game to to, to run out the clock, and I get that because you have such a great defense. But it was clear, you know, midway through the, the uh, fourth quarter that the Steelers had found their rhythm on offense, 
and and Jacksonville needed needed to mount at least one or two sustained sustained drives to put that game away, and, and they just did not trust Blake Bortles. So I think it was a little bit of both. If I may, if I may be wishy washy on that one. Yeah, you're Charlie Browning right there. If I'm if I can loosey you and say you're wishy washy, Charlie Brown. Um, <laughs> Not everybody's going to understand that reference, but, hey, it's Thanksgiving week, and I'll be watching that cartoon as soon as it's on ABC once again, which is might be tomorrow. Uh, they usually do that that week, but it just makes me think of uh, good old Charlie Brown, and you, you know I love going into the nostalgia and uh, in pop culture. But uh, you, you know what? I'm thinking that the Steelers actually took that game away. Um, I agree with you that uh, – you need to trust your quarterback, but they obviously don't. Um, nope. But even even when he went back to pass, the Steelers had the answer. The Steelers' defense had the answer, not just in that fourth quarter. They had the answer pretty much all game. Because here's the thing. We talked about put up yesterday and still won the game. It's not fair to the defense because the defense looked pretty good all day long. Sure, they gave up huge chunk, chunks of yards to Fournette, but then you go into the second. Look at, look at Fournette. He was like 5.4 yards, yards per carry. He had 75 yards of his 95 yards in the first half. In the second half, he was 1.8 yards per carry, and he had only 20 yards, and that's on 24 r- rushes, I believe, uh, actually 19 rushes or something like that. I, I had the set written down, and I lost them, all my papers here. But they just completely took him away. They took the running game away in that second half. After that touchdown that they had, and the the one long gainer by Fournette, and most of, most of Bortles' passing yards came on that one screen pass that he took all the way to midfield. So, but after that, after that touchdown, no first downs, and that was in the third quarter. They they just completely decimated the Jacksonville office, offense in most of the second half. So those guys came to play. So, you know, typically we do the grades and we do the valedictorian and the honor roll. I'm just saying grade on defense. I have to give these guys an A. Um, despite giving up chunks of yards at the beginning, but they set the quarterback five times. They had seven more pressures. Um, no passing yards to even even think of. And the, when you shut them down in the second half like that, and especially with all those yards you give up, how many points do you give up? To quote to quote uh, Jeffrey Jones in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, nine. Nine. <laughs> That's only points they gave up in the first half when that really should have been 17 or 21 the way they were running on that team. So that I've got to give great credit. Ben was awful at the beginning. He was awful in the middle. He was awful close to the end. And then he got it together. And champions do that. You know, Tony, I I take a lot of uh, criticism. I don't take a lot of criticism. But I take criticism every time I compare the Steelers to what they should be doing like the Patriots. Yesterday, Tony, they did something that the Patriots do all the time. They didn't look great the whole game. They looked vulnerable. They looked like they were going to be beaten, but they 
at the end, they prevailed. And we've seen that with the Patriots a lot during uh, during their glory years um, since 2001. Would you agree that that was a kind of a Patriot-like victory as well? We've seen the Patriots route, just like the Steelers routed last week. But we've seen a lot of Patriot games when they've won by the by just the skin of their teeth. And that seemed Patriot-like to me yesterday. Or am I off base? Oh, no, you're, you're right on. I mean, it, 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 that's how they looked in the Super Bowl two, two years ago. That's how they looked in December last year. I mean, they, the Steelers controlled that whole game. And just when it looked like they were, they were going to win it, there goes a deflected pass up in the air that's intercepted in the end zone, and you're just you're just stunned. And, and that, that's how the Jaguars had to feel yesterday. You know, you're you're up sixteen nothing, heading into the you know, late in the third quarter. You, you, you're killing a team on offense that you that you did the same thing to last year. You're frustrating a future Hall of Fame quarterback. You're frustrating a future Hall of Fame wide receiver, and yet they still find ways. Both of them find ways to to, to impact the game and to make big plays at the end to beat you. So, yeah, it was definitely very Patriot-like in how they won that game yesterday. Are you in agreement? Are you giving them an A on defense as well? Oh, yeah. I, I, I A at least because, uh, you know, yardage is fine and everything, but they never, they never made it into, into, into the red zone on their, those three field goal drives. I mean, they, they kept them out of the red zone. They kept them, you know, Nine nothing is very manageable. It's a lot better, like you said, than seventeen or twenty-one nothing. And then when, and when they played in the second half, the last four drives, I think they were three and out. It was just, it was tremendous. And they and they kept the pressure on all day on uh, Blake Bortles. They didn't let him get comfortable in the pocket. So yeah, it was a it was a tremendous performance, especially without Stephon Tewitt in there. Javon Hargrave had a great game, fantastic game. Obviously, T.J. Watt was just he's just turning into a star. So yeah, I definitely give him a, give him an A. Well, with that being said, here's what I'm thinking. Those two guys you just mentioned are definitely in the running for valedictorian, I would think. So let's yes. pick one of those two. Who are we giving the two? Because I think far and away, those are the guys. Now, granted, the defensive backs look good, but we don't know. We just don't know what what they – they weren't even tested. They had a good no. game in the secondary. I, I'm not going to complain. They they weren't tested. Vince Williams had a very good game. Um, Bud Dupree had a decent game. Cam Hayward had a very good game. But I think the game on defense, the two big guys were Jay Wobble and they were Terrence Trent Watt. I, I don't know if you knew his uh, – excuse me, Trent Jordan Watt. Excuse me is his name. And uh, I was trying to be all cool and bring out his uh, full name, and I, I botched it, so that's on me. <laughs> but um, so let's give one of those, and we, we can't split it. So let's, let's uh, give one the valedictorian. Well, I, 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 to toot my own horn, I'm going to have to give it to T.J. Watts because that's who I predicted last week. But, I mean, in, in all seriousness, that's the last correct. three sacks yes, he did. Yeah. The last three sacks he's had dating back to the Carolina game, he's caused – He's forced to fumble. I mean, they, the the other team keeps recovering it, but still, he's forcing fumbles. And then, then of course, you go back to the to the yeah, the forced uh, pick six against Carolina. But you know, as far as yesterday, he's definitely 
head and shoulders the best defender in that game. So, yeah, I'm definitely giving it to T.J. Watt. You know what I did, too, online, um, on behind the still curtain. I gave it to him, and then I was going to go ahead and split it up. Jay Wobble had a very good game. I love that nickname, by the way. But Javon oh, Hargrave, fanta- fantastic game. Um, you know, he almost had a third sack and should have had a third sack, and then Bortles got away from him. Um, but T.J. Watt right now is the real deal, and the, the criticism on T.J. is the fact that he, he'll go ahead and, and get him in bunches. But I don't care about that. The guy has 10 sacks. And yeah. he's playing good football, and he's proven he's he has to prove that he can do it down the stretch. I don't think there's any stopping him. I think uh, I don't I think he's going to get stronger. I think uh, that first year was that uh, that period where you have to adjust, and he still had a good year. He's got ten sacks. You know the uh, the sack league lead on that team, if I'm not mistaken, is sixteen by James Harrison. He could very yeah. easily surpass that um, this year and become the uh, single-season stat le- uh, sack leader. Um, so T.J. Watt, he he gets it. He is going to be our valedictorian. Um, we've mentioned the honor roll as far those other guys we mentioned having good games. They're our honor roll on defense. On offense, you know, that grade's a whole lot tougher. But you have to grade the whole body of work. And if you do that, it might not be as favorable, even if you're counting in the win. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. What, what do you think, Tony? If you were bringing that, breaking out the red pen and, uh, and you've got the teaching certificate from BTSC University, what are you going to go ahead and give this team on offense? Well, I mean, I would have to give him – I think a C is fair because they they definitely got the job done in, in the in the second – in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, they scored enough to win. They put up a lot of the yards at the end. And like somebody said on the radio today, you know, they they needed a C to, to get a passing grade. Or I'm sorry, they needed a, a C to, to pass the exam, so they got an, an A on their last couple of tests to, to, to pull the grade yeah, to a C. So, yeah, so – I, I wish I would have came up with that, I, but I, I have to give credit like to somebody that. else. Yeah, yeah. So I, like uh, I, I, I gave them a C minus. However, here's the deal on that. Antonio Brown, I thought had a great game, and I thought yeah. Antonio Brown got robbed of a 200 yard game and a touchdown by his own quarterback. Um, yeah. And because that first interception. Brown's running a seam route, a seam route right down the middle, and you know what? There was no if he catches that ball, and you know he was going to. If that ball gets right. to him, there's no one near him. There was no, I mean, there was no one, there was no one playing center field that would have been able to uh, to stop him. And those guys closing in, they they would have never met him. That's how wide open he was, and Ben didn't get the ball to him. A lot of the times, I mean, he was getting it open, and Ben did not have a great game at all, and we know that. But he's a cowboy, and the cowboy came to the final gunfight, and he won it. And I love Ben Roethlisberger's quote, hey, they talked, and they talked. I'm the one taking home the game ball. Love that. One of the all-time great quotes. 
you put that on his Hall of Fame plaque because I, I love it. And that's why I love this quarterback. And the first thing he said is like, hey, they played great. They had no help from me most of the game. But it's the cha- – and we talked about this earlier. It's the champions that are standing at the end. And I really uh, – I really, I mean, so if I'm giving first, second, and third quarter grades to Ben Roethlisberger, it's a D minus, maybe an F. But if I'm given, if I'm given the last, I mean, just the last quarter. I know that one touchdown was in the, uh, um, with a minute left in the third quarter. But you know, just like the end of the game, Ben, you know, I'm gonna give him an A minus. I mean, because he, he got it done, and uh, he was a cowboy, and he won that game, and that's why. He's a winner, and that's why you put your trust in him. And anybody that wants Dobbs in there, stop. Yeah. Stop. You know no what? Way. You were loving this guy when he had a perfect passer rating last week. You know, he's going to have a bad game. Just don't, You never want him to have a bad game, though, and we get it. But last night, that guy came through. So, I mean, I'm still giving him a C minus. I can bump it up to a C. That's fine. But, uh, you know, I'll even give fourth quarter or late game Ben, I'll I'll put him on the honor roll. And I'm putting Vance McDonald on the honor honor roll. That catch was just simply tremendous. But I kind of felt bad for Vance. They They tried to go to him early and often. Ben couldn't even. Ben couldn't hit water if he was standing inside the boat. I mean, at the beginning of that game. I mean, I don't know what was going on. I almost thought he was scared at first. I I didn't know what was going on. But Vance had opportunities. He wasn't even turned around, and and the ball was was going to hit him in the back. Um. So Vance did nothing wrong. A B did nothing wrong. But guess what? They didn't quit either. They didn't count no. their quarterback out. Juju Smith-Schuster definitely did not count his quarterback out. You've got another WR1 on the other side of the ball when you've got Jalen Ramsey hanging all over AB. So that's how potent this offense is. That's how great they are. Um, You know what? I am going to go ahead and point the finger reluctantly at James Conner. Look, the rushing performance – it's the same as the Baltimore game, Tony. You know how we talked about that. I don't fault him for a bad performance in the Baltimore game. I don't fault him for a bad rushing performance yesterday. He didn't have a chance. They, were, no. they started throwing right away. They didn't give him a chance. We're unfaulting James Conner. Two drops down the stretch. And that one, they lose that game. He's Ben's no longer the code. It's James. Because I, he I, dropped a short touchdown, and he dropped a, another first down on fourth down. Just to completely kill him. Luckily, absolutely. it didn't. No. And we're going to see how he bounces back. But he gets, he gets detention. Most of the game, Ben gets detention. But that's kind of probably about it. Special teams, I thought the special teams, I'm giving them a C, but I'm going to give honor roll to one guy on the special teams. 
and I, it's going to shock you. I'll let you say his name because you know who I'm going to say, don't you? Oh, it's Jordan Berry, 51-yard average, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, he was great. He, I mean, can this be the Jordan Berry that we've been waiting for? We we saw glimpses of when he first came in, but could this be the right guy? Hopefully so. But you know what? The bottom line of the whole thing is overall grade. You, you give him a C, but it's a passing grade. And the big, the big letter, though, is the W. A, B, C, D, and yes. F doesn't matter. Right. It's a W. And that was W number six in a row. And um, I don't know what's going on right now in Los Angeles. Um, I saw early reports where it was ugly already. I saw the score. They could be, at the end of the night, a half game out of the number one seed. And that's what winners do. Um, so, you know, we could talk about grades, but you know how I, I'm – I've been walking on air all day, Tony. I don't know how you felt. But, you know, when you win a game like this, let's go back to last Thursday. We felt amazing. Yes. But you know what? We felt so good after that 52-21 to game. But I feel even better after a team that was broken and beaten and just, just left for dead. They came back. And they came back emphatically. And not only did they – they didn't settle for a field goal. They took it by the throat. And, you know, people were second-guessing Mike Tomlin about not taking the timeout before the two-minute warning. He knew what he was doing. They they second-guessed him a lot. But guess what? All worked. So, you know, I thought all the way around they won that game as a team too. And they picked up their brothers that were failing. And that's exactly what they did. So even though I put some guys on the detention list, James Conner, hang your head high. You're a part of it. You know, first, second, and third quarter bend, you owned it. You came in and said, hey, I, it was no thanks to me, but they did it. Now you led these guys. So that was a team win. Almost a team loss, but it was a team win. And I, I think I'm just as proud of that one as I was a week ago. And uh, the guy I want to talk to about this, because I can't wait to hear his insight. And so we are going to go to New Jersey. We are going to talk to the man and the legend, Vito. And you tell us, what was going on on your couch yesterday, Vito? I was, uh, good evening, gentlemen. First and foremost, happy Thanksgiving to you and your families this week. Uh, thank you, my friend. To yours as well. I, I, I got to tell you, I was a little, I was a little, uh, I was a little frazzled in, in the in the first half because after coming over a performance last week where everything was going right and and all and, and Ben was hitting all strides and that perfect rating, I, I just think that the Jaguars get in his head. And I also think I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it looked like the line at times was struggling to protect them because they were blitzing like crazy and they were rushing like crazy. And as far as separation is concerned, what I think Ben was doing wrong yesterday that he was doing right last week was he was taking advantage of whatever was open. Now he did have guys that were getting open for short passing routes and he wasn't taking. He was always it always seemed like he would get frustrated. He was looking for the big play. But at times I could see 
either it was Jesse James or it was uh, Vance McDonald was getting open for short passing routes and he wasn't going that way because it seemed like, correct me if I'm wrong, he was looking for Brown a lot. And I think one series, he made a mistake. I think he threw it to Connor, he threw it to someone, and, and they ended up having to punt. But if you listen to the announcers, they said that Brown had beaten Ramsey and he was wide open. If Ben would have just threw it to him, he probably would have walked into the end zone for a touchdown. That's how far down, you know, the field he was. So I think Jacksonville was getting to him in the beginning of the game. Because if you look at the performance the first half, it was just, they seemed flat. And I don't know if being off 10 games of not playing has something to do with it. But, you know, thank God for Antonio Brown. And thank God for having the weapons that they have on that team because, you know, they were able to bounce back from it. But you know what? In the past, whenever they've had an ugly, ugly game like this, they've bounced back and had a really good game. But give the defense so much credit for keeping them in the game. I mean, if if you could hold any team to 20 points, there's no reason why this team can't come back and win because they should be good for a minimum 26, 28 points a game, maybe even more. But I was kind of frazzled in the beginning. I was just saying he's having an off game, and I can't understand why. And I just felt maybe that that team on the other side was getting to him and was causing to me. It almost looked like he was afraid to throw the ball at times because he wanted to be too perfect and want to make mistakes. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are that you're exactly correct and 100% that they were in his head. I mean, I had written during my knee-jerk reaction article, which goes in the middle. I mean, I write it like as everything happens. And as soon as I write it, I don't edit it. It's just out there. It's done. I go to the next play or I go to the next thought. The reason I do that is so it's just exactly, you could look at my up and down reactions, everything that's the first thought off my head. And at the end, when there's zeros on the clock, I hit send and submit and it's out there and it's a raw piece. And a couple times I wrote, Ben just looks scared. This team was in his head, but here's the best thing about it. He got them out of their head, out of his head. It was completely out of his head when it was, when it was crunch time. When it was time to close that game out, and even when they were – it was 16-6, to 6, my buddy's like, oh, it's over, it's over. No two-point conversion, it's over. And I'm like, yeah, you know what, I'm not saying a word because I kind of think they got this. And even when, when you know, fourth down, James Conner drops that ball, I still don't think it was over. When they got it back with three and a half and they're down by ten still, I, I, was, I was starting to smile. I'm like, you know what? I think I watched him come out, and I just looked at him. He didn't look scared anymore. He just looked like, you know what? We're adjusting, and we're doing it right here, and they figured out how to beat him. And that's exactly what they did. And Vance McDonald was there to do it. James Washington was helping out. Juju was helping out. Juju was, Juju was the man on that drive. But, like you said, thank goodness for uh, Antonio Brown. That was the guy. That I mean, he got it down the two, three-yard line, and he is just money. And I can't talk enough about what he does for that team. I thought – I was talking about the play where, you know, Ben threw the interception, the first interception. That would have been a 70-some yard down there. He could have had three 70-yard touchdowns yesterday. 
he could have had close to 250 yards receiving. With He was getting open. Ben wasn't finding. But Antonio was amazing. But when – you know, did you hear, Fido, my comparison to the Patriots? Yes. That makes sense. And so here's the thing. I truly think Jacksonville was playing like a good team yesterday, but they played their A game. They played their A-plus game, and it wasn't good enough. And Pittsburgh played a D game. Ben played a, an F game for a good part of, the, part of the game, most of it. But when it was time to win, good teams can play ugly. Excuse me, great teams can play ugly and win. And that's exactly what they did. So that's why I'm walking on air today. I'm, I'm thinking this team could play badly now. We don't want them to, but they could turn it around. And this team last year could not do it. Two years ago, they could not win this game. They weren't going to win a game. They, they, when they were defeated, they were defeated. This is a comeback team. This is a special team. This is an it team with heart right now. Um, and, I, you know, I attribute a lot of it to bonding together over one person's absence. He who shall not be named. But here's the thing. They have bonded over that, and they are a team. And I loved what Antonio Brown said today, Vito and Tony. I love the fact that he came out and said, we've got a Hall of Fame quarterback. There is no, I mean, we trust in him. He can play like that, but we trust that he's going to do it at the end. This team trusts each other. I love what's going on with this team right now. So I'm so proud that I have a team that could play that badly and that ugly and still turn it around and win. And I tell you what, that was one of the best celebrations I've ever had in my living room. It's a great drive. Well, well, I mean, they just have a great defense. Jacksonville has a great defense. You have to give them credit and, and let's face it, you know, like Ken from New Jersey said years ago, you're not going to see the kind of defense that they play on a regular basis anymore. Teams just don't have that kind of suffocating uh, pass defense. And but yet he was able, you know, and you, people wonder why he looked off and why he looked he looked scared. Well, they had a great they have a great pass rush and they have two of the best corners in the game, and they're just they're just aggravating to watch. I mean, Antonio Brown was aggravated. I was aggravated watching it. You know, Jalen Ramsey is the best in the business right now. So. I mean, there's there's the issue with Ben yesterday. He just was going up against a great defense, and you're not going to see that every week. But you know, when it was 16 nothing late in the third quarter, you know, you mentioned the Patriots. They, they uh, got blown up by the Titans yesterday, who were blitzed by the Colts. I'm sorry, last week who were blitzed by the Colts yesterday, and 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 they could have very easily just said, all right, this is just not our day. We we don't play well against this team. This team has our number. And yet they battled back, and all the stars made the plays. The quarterback, your star receiver, your budding star receiver, and your big tight end. They all made the plays at the end. And to me, that showed – that was my favorite win of the year at, at this point. It was ugly, but it was beautiful at the end. No, yeah, According to you – know, like, like Mike Tomlin always says, style points don't matter. And it, it didn't, all, the only thing that mattered yesterday was that they found a way to win at the end. That's actually my autobiography if I ever write one, style points don't matter. Um, mm-hmm. Vito, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Blessings to your family. And
and uh, we are going to be talking next week and uh, see how the uh, mile high hangover goes. All right? Sounds like a plan. Thank you again. Okay, Have thank a great you. Evening, Vito. Happy holidays. You as well. Hall of Fame caller Vito from New Jersey. It's great. Um, you mentioned Ken. It looks like he's on the line here, but we need to go to another caller. And we haven't, uh, I haven't seen this number in a few weeks. And I'm going to guess, I'm hoping that I'm right on this because I, I think I'm, I'm knowing numbers now. Are we in Georgia possibly? Yes, gentlemen, you are. How are you doing? This is Nick from Marietta, Georgia. Hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. Guys. I know your area code now, buddy. <laughs> All right. Long time. Well, listen, I'm working. I'm wor- you know what? It's so hard on Monday night. So much is going on. A quick update for you here. The Monday night games, 23-23. Both guys had a couple turnovers, defenses, you know, no scores. Way. Both missed point, extra points, which is kind of strange on both kickers. So 23-23 is what you got. Um, both offenses getting down to the uh, goal line, but just can't punch it in and had to settle for field goals on a trip. But there's your uh, well, that's a great summary. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but listen, last time I saw it was like fourteen nothing for fourteen yeah, seven. Yeah, started out. Yeah, Rams were all over them. But here, great news with the win because we had a uh, a man on the ground there, being myself. Uh, went down to Jacksonville, short ride, five and a half hours. Good, nice. good showing by Steeler Nation. <laughs> Excellent showing. Um, just so proud of I mean, at least a third of the stadium, as always, is taken up by the black and gold. And um, Jacksonville fans are pretty cool. I mean, they, you know, it's funny. They're yelling and stuff. That, those first three quarters, that was dreary, very dreary and depressing. I mean, it's more frustrating than anything watching a game like that with that offensive showing because you know how good they are or can be. And it's like, where did this come from? You know, Tomlin gives him a couple extra days, and, you know, what did everybody do? Forget what, we, you know, what they had been doing the last five, six weeks. That was, that was, that was depression there. But uh, the good old boys, we got to scream back at them after uh, we had a couple Jacksonville people. Uh, and I was right at the 15 on the Steelers' side. So I'll tell you what, when you were just talking about that um, dissertation about Antonio Brown, that play – Right in front of us. We're fourth row right there, 15-yard line. And, uh, you know, whenever you have a play like that and the ball's just hanging in the air, you know, everything feels like it's two and three minutes. But Ben lets that thing go, and you see Washington go down, and I'm ready to start yelling interference, (laughs) especially with those big old boys down there right next to me, Jaguar fans, ready to yell in their face interference. And then all of a sudden, out of blue, almost like Superman, Antonio catches it right in front of us. Does his uh, zig and zag, goes into the end zone, and the game's, you know, on its way to being turned around. It, it was, <laughs> you know, just can't say enough. I'm still a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit uh, in shock that it was all pulled out and uh, and such. Um, but, yeah, it was it was great. It was wonderful. I mean, I know everybody enjoyed it here uh, watching Steeler Nation, but um, it, was, it, it was a particularly good, good Sunday for this team. You know what? And that's that's the theme of it. So uh, the the theme of the day is like, look, you know, you could talk about what if and all oh, they can't play like that in the next six weeks. Yeah, we know they can't. But these guys, I go to work. I've got bad days at work. They had a bad day at work for most of the day. But when it came time to get the job done, they caught up. And not only did they caught up, 
catch up. They did their work well. And hey, that's wanted, the thing. So I'm so proud of this victory. Yeah, me too. Hey, I wanted to let you know something I thought was brilliant on the way home listening to Charlie Batch. And his point, I think which some people have good time writing about, is that that whole first half, and that was frustrating with the defense, just getting – I mean, you knew every time it was a run, a run, a run, you know, and uh, Fournette just, you know, just bowling over us. But what he said was very interesting. He said, you know, Buggo definitely had the game plan. He was running a lot of defensive run blitzes. But the problem was we were overrunning. And then there'd be one man, and we all know that the tackling at times for that D has been suspect. And, of course, then, you know, that one missed tackle on a big running back that goes for more and more and more and get an extra four, five, six yards after the carry. And he said what happened was that a halftime adjustment, even though Tomlin said we didn't do much, uh, Bat says, you know, that's not necessarily true. He says what he's doing, maybe he's still calling those run blitzes, but what he's doing is he's telling those defenders, don't go, you know, if, you've got a, if you're beating your man and you're getting in three, four yards into the backfield, you know, stop after one or two yards, almost to create like a wall. And, uh, and in a way, create more of a uh, less less room to the right and left for those running backs. And you know what? He's exactly right because that's what did happen. Um, you know, there just wasn't the separation. The defensive the defensive men weren't uh, separated at all in that whole second half. That's why they pretty much shut him down. Um, but I thought that was an excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, so I just thought I'd give you guys a little tip on that. I, I, Charlie called it out, and I think he's right when. Haven't gotten a chance to see the game on TV like you guys, but I will, and I think that's what we'll see. Well, you know what? I'm glad you said that because, you know, we see different games when we're there, and, you know, and we don't have the earbuds in, so we can't hear what's going on, so we have to rely on what we know and what's going on there. But you get to see the whole field, and I'm glad you brought that up about that pass play because you get to see the whole field. Um, Me – on the play that I keep talking about was the first interception of Jalen Ramsey, where um, if maybe you could help us out with this, Nick, he looked like Brown looked like he was wide open and yeah, that ball was going right. I mean, and, and he just hung the ball and it was too low and it was, but if he catches that ball from your vantage point, there's, there's no way they can, those those two guys on the corners can meet Adam. He was completely gone. That's that's true. The, the only thing I would TV, point out so. is Ramsey is fast, man. <laughs> so even right, right, if he I tell a, you what, yeah. I you know there's talk about that the Jacksonville wants to trade him now. I'm <laughs> giving up two ones and a two for this guy. Oh yeah, and He's not even batting an eye. He's a different but maker, um, man. I. I thought besides Ben's performance in the first three quarters, I thought the offense – and we're not, I'm not talking about James Conner because he was taken out of the game. Um, but I thought the performance of the wide receivers was actually pretty admirable and the tight ends. Um, I thought it was an admirable performance. So I don't oh, want to well, hang the whole thing on the offense. I want to hang it on Ben. But, once again, Ben came, came up big when he needed to come up big. Yeah, I want to point something out also you had brought up, and you're exactly right, even though if you weren't there, you didn't see, you know, but I will confirm what you said. When there was the, you know, the game timeouts, the, 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 um, you know, the, the breaks by the networks and stuff, in the first quarter before Ben started having, especially after second interception, we noticed, and it wasn't just myself, I thought he was hurt, actually. 
but he was, you know, lightly jogging. He'd be at the same pace as the teammates going in and out, you know, like when they come to the sideline and stuff like that. After that second interception, I thought he was hurt because the players would all jog out. And if there was a TV timeout, he would, you know, the other players would go, you know, shuffling back and forth. He started walking so slow that, I mean, a couple of feet were all murmuring and saying, hey, did he get hurt? You know, he has been sacked a couple of times. Something, you know, has been hurt. And he just had his head down like a beaten man, looking down or maybe even doubting yourself. And you're thinking, well, how did this happen and such? But, yeah, he was a different guy that second and third quarter. And then, thank goodness, we had the brakes fall our way because then at the end of the game, it looked like a guy who uh, suddenly got a second win, you know, He's uh, scooting over to the sideline during the timeout, talk to Finchner, then goes, you know, lightly jogging back. That second, third quarter, he did not. And it was so so pronounced and so slow. I was thinking, hey, this guy's hurt, you know, leg, back, something, you know, chest, who knows, somebody jumped on him, you know, or landed on him. But um, so, yeah, they had – he might not admit it, but somebody was in his head, you know, <laughs> that defense was in his head. It very well. I mean, it seemed like it, and Tony brought that up too. Yeah, but you know what he reminded me of? And, Tony, I'm going to ask you about this. Um, he reminded me of – there's a movie that I just absolutely love. It's 25 years old now, and it's the movie The Program. Do you remember that, Gene Hackman? And uh, yeah. No, not Gene Hackman. I'm sorry. Um, gosh, Caught uh, James Caught excuse me. And uh, Eastern State University, and the quarterback, you know, he was great at the beginning, had the struggles, but at the end, he'd come into the huddle and say, all right, boys, let's go put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. And that's what I imagined (laughs) Ben Roethlisberger going into the huddle and saying towards the end of that game. And like I said, Nick, I don't know what you think. Tony, I'm going to ask you, did you think there was any doubt at the end in that last drive? No, no. I mean, once they got it down to the two, once he hit Antonio, I knew I knew they were going to. No, I'm talking the beginning with... of the drive, though. The beginning of the uh, drive. I, I I felt good when he when he when he found uh, uh, Juju on that second uh, back shoulder touchdown. I fig- or I'm sorry, uh, catch. I figured that they were they were in good shape with that from that point on. No, I didn't have any doubt after that because he's done it so many times well, throughout his career. Nick, what were your thoughts? Well, that that brings – I wasn't going to hog all this time, but I will say the the articles people have written about the time management, I mean, everybody's absolving them, saying, hey, it worked out, you know, Tomlin. But for myself, I would have called the timeout before that two-minute warning because look at the way that drive started. It, it, I don't think – I think they would have been doing a Boswell field goal if they kept getting those three, five, seven-yard passes, which I think I think the first four out of five were really just small chunks – and if they would have done that, I think they would have ran out of time, honestly. I mean, because there would have been a time or two where somebody's being trying to get out to the, you know, trying to get out on the sideline. They don't make it, and time's going to tick. And Ben is not quick. I mean, I don't even care if they get right up to the line. He still takes 20 seconds to survey the field. It's not Brady there. And, uh, you know, they can be happy because they got that big chunk by Antonio on the final drive and Juju. But if you don't get those and you keep a little dinking and dorking, they were going to run out of time. They'd be kicking from 30, 30 yard line, you know? Um, so yeah, it works out time when you're right, but you don't know. And you can't guarantee since you didn't hit them pretty much the whole game, those big passes were going to fall your way on that last drive. So, you know, I was just saying, I was worried. I didn't feel right. great. I was worried. 
you know, I get that too. But as soon as as soon as he came out off of the sidelines to start that drive, I looked at him and I just felt the swagger. I just felt like, oh wow, he's back. And well, I felt you could the field see goal. it building. <laughs> What's that? I felt a field goal for sure. I thought we were definitely tying it up. I thought we were going to sit in that hot yeah, sun I mean, I, on the sun side. <laughs> I felt that, but there was something about this this Jacksonville defense and that the way they were running that game. And another thing crept in my head, and you know how I, I've talked about this ad nauseum, especially after the first week of the season. I hate the 10-minute overtime. It needs to go oh, back yeah. to 15 minutes. Yeah. Because Jacksonville, if they, if they win the uh, – if they win the toss or whatever, and they they start going first, they're gonna yep. they were gonna run 15 straight times. Yep. They would have done a ten, they would have tried to do a 10 minute drive, and yep, in overtime. I mean that's yep. just, that's just what I saw happening, and so I'm thinking, look, you need you can't tie this game. You <laughs> you need to just go ahead and go ahead and win this game here, and win on the road and. And even I know it's crazy, and a couple teams have tried it. A team has tried it this this year and done it. A team has tried it this year and failed. But I mean, I'm going for a two point conversion to win that game because I don't want it to go to overtime with this team. But that's probably bad coaching, and that's why I'm here talking about it and I'm not doing it. But yep. I just I just love the swagger. I loved I loved what what they had going on in that last drive, and that is. There's been a few occasions we've talked about a few plays where they uh, that we're going to be talking about at the end of the year and possibly Super Bowl week that got them there. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl, but I think this is a special season, and that's another one, that drive is going to be talked about for a long time, just like the drive against with Cincinnati and the week before there was there was a uh, there's a huge play in the Atlanta game that we're just going to be talking about them. And they keep on building. It's almost like they're just building memories this year. There are so many building blocks in special moments in these games. That's why I think this is such an amazing season so far Um, with the ups and the downs and the adversity. I just love what's going on. Nick, thanks so much for your time, buddy. I appreciate it. I hope you and your family have a very special Thanksgiving. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye bye. Great. I'm glad you got to go to the game. That's that's pretty awesome. And uh, let's uh, let's talk to another guy we haven't talked to in a few weeks. Um, Ken from Jersey. Man, I haven't heard from him in a long time, and I think we're about to. Ken, what's going on? What's up, guys? How are you? Hey, Ken. Yeah, hey, I'm three for three in guessing area codes today, huh? Yeah. It's a psych- psychic network over here, huh? Yeah. Dion Warwick's uh, locked in my basement. Dion Warwick. And I just say, uh, yeah. yeah. Remember she had the Psychic Friends Network? Mm-hmm. I remember that. Even though it's a little before my time, but I still remember it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 46. So, uh, Tony and I are old codgers. Yes. <laughs> So this is a little before you said that was the nineties. Wait, wait, what's like you're not it's, it's not like <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thirty I'm I'm thirty four. No, I remember. I was just <laughs> I, you know, I was eight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, yeah, man, uh, that, that game. <laughs> I haven't been through. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, that was an emotional roller coaster, man. Like, I was. I, I went from just like the first half. I was just was growing restless. I was very calm, just like kind of. I've seen that before. I've, I've seen it twice last year. I, I've read that book before. I was just calm and then just kind of getting restless, looking at the clock. And I think my tipping point when I started yelling was in the second half when Ben threw that um, that second interception to Ramsey, which I believe was his third interception. And I was just, like, starting to lose it. And I was like, man, I can't believe we're going to lose to these guys again. But it was only 16 and nothing. I knew if they just got a score, then things – then the the defense would start to react differently, and they just they just needed something positive to happen. So um, I just wanted something po- – they just needed something positive to happen on offense. Defense, um, I, I got to tip my cap, man. These guys, yes, they gave up the long drive, the 10-play drive after the interception in the end zone in the second half. But for the most part, I mean – you hold a team to 16 points with nothing, no motivation coming from your offense for three and a half quarters. Like that, you're just playing like that in a vacuum, pretty much, with just the the blind faith that your offense is going to do something. There's that aspect of the game too, where the the mental aspect that you know, if if people are not really thinking that matters, that really matters when you know that all right, I'm gonna get it back because we're gonna score again. It's different than knowing they're not – they haven't scored all game. So I thought that was huge. It shows a lot of maturity on the defense, the trust that they have in just doing their job. And you can see that because they, they have more gap integrity. Um, they they fixed the run, the run-stopping issues. What they actually did was they went in goal line package. Uh, Jordan Dangerfield is a part of their goal line package. So that's the adjustment they did. They took out Cody Sensabaugh, and they went into the goal line package. And – who does that these days in this NFL? So it probably took them a little while to realize that's what they needed to do um, because the other regular packages weren't working. Um, but it was just a great, it was a great overall like performance from our heroes on the team. And, and Ben, what can I say? Um, normally in games like this, those three interceptions turn to five, you know, and um, he might do something at the end to kind of come back. But uh, man, he, he got it together. And he just showed a lot of stuff. He showed a lot of guts. And this was kind of like early Ben in his career where he just didn't care. It was just like a, a you know, worry-free play. I don't know. It's, it's, it was a little bit different, I think, because this team, you know, they, they whipped our ass twice last year. Let's call it like it is. So um, this was probably the biggest win of the season. And I think this win will prepare us to beat the Patriots in my opinion. I, I think it has to. And that's uh, and one of my themes for this entire show is, and I don't know if you heard the beginning of it, of the podcast. I know sometimes you come in later in the podcast. But my thinking, and I said this, and Jacksonville had their A game yesterday going. And my, my thing is, good teams win when they play good. Great teams win when they play ugly. And that to me was right. a Patriot-like victory. But this is this is a team that can beat the Patriots, and they proved it by not folding. And that's it. Last year, and I was trying to get this point across, and Tony and I were talking that really 
they would have folded last year. They definitely would have not been able to pull this off last year. They would have they they would have folded up the tent and went home. And I really think that they they couldn't do it this year. Something's happened. They have bonded. They have got it together. They're a different team than they were the last couple seasons. That's why I'm so optimistic. And I'm glad you brought up uh, this preparing them to beat the Patriots because I think that's exactly what it did. I think the Cincinnati game did that as well. I think the Baltimore yep. game did that as well. And even the uh, the Carolina and Atlanta games, those performances, I mean, they, sh- they show they could play different ways and win. And that's exactly what happened in my estimation. Yeah, it's like, you know, even though, like, those games – so they've done that before. They've come back against the Bengals before. They've come back against the Ravens. I think they need to see new evidence of, like, kind of exercising their demons and, like, you know, with the team they haven't really had much success with. So this is new evidence. And if they get in a position against the Patriots when they get down late, they can they can draw back from this, hey, it's just like in the Jacksonville. We came down from 16 nothing, and this defense is nowhere near as good as that defense. You know, it, it, those things, that little bit makes a guy, you know, um, beat his man maybe one extra play. So, um, but, you know, the, the way this is going, the whole Le'Veon Bell stuff and everything, I, I think it, that kind of just got all of the drama out. Like, that was just the last of it. And it'd be, it'd be interesting to look forward moving forward. Let's see over the next season and two, if we're team turmoil, so to speak, anymore, and with a lot of these guys out of the locker room, let's see how it is. And you know, we we might not know how how much of um you know how much of an influence a guy like him and Mike Mitchell and some of the other guys were as far as just talking so much and that culture in the locker room. Maybe we become a more quiet locker room now. Who knows? So, um, but yeah, I just like the overall demeanor of the team, man. They 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 fought like champions, and they shut. The, the Jags up. I think the crowd knew once they went three and out that last time, the Jags, and it was 13 to 16, and they had the punt, the crowd knew the game was over. They were quiet. I knew we were going to go down and score. It was just either we're going to score a touchdown or a field goal to tie. But I was, I was like, listen, let's not go to overtime. Let's, let's, get, this, uh, let's get this touchdown. Um, so that's, that's where I was at. You know, I think that's just as huge, too. And to answer your question, I, I've been the one talking about team turmoil um, for the last two or three years, and I think, I think team turmoil is extinct. I think they're dead now. Um, and I, I agree with you. I'm glad you brought up Mike Mitchell. I think he was one of the guys. I'm glad you brought up, even though uh, Tony and I have decided to go the Harry Potter route and just call him He Who Shall Remain Nameless. Um, at this point, but uh, with with number twenty six not there too, I think that's a big deal. I think an even bigger deal is full year of Joe Hayden, a healthy Joe Hayden, and another coach yeah. back there, Morgan Burnett. I think those guys make a huge difference. But I think this team has bonded together. They've gone through that adversity. They've uh, they don't have to worry about that anymore. And I think this is a team focused on a singular goal. They know where the window is, and I just think I've never – in the past couple of years, I haven't seen a team this bonded. That's why I'm so excited. Um, I, I'm really thinking that this, that this is the year, and I know that's just optimism. 
but I just feel so good about this team based on what I'm seeing in all these games. You see something bigger and a bigger piece of the puzzle coming up. Because we saw, look, that game, that game last week started off bad with that first drive, and they just completely squashed a good Carolina team. Um, the way they, they, uh, they came back to beat Cincinnati, though, I mean, these wins and everything they're stacking up, even the Tampa Bay win, the tie has shaped them. The loss to Kansas City has shaped them. The loss to Baltimore definitely shaped them. There's six games in a row now. I'm feeling Denver's a tough place to play. Oakland is a tough place to play. Los Angeles Chargers are a tough team to play. But you know what? I kind of feel like if this team is who they are, that they roll into two days before Christmas with uh, the, the uh, only game that I think they're going to lose, possibly, and they might even surprise us against New Orleans. I just think this is a team on on a mission, and I think uh, I think they could go five and one down the stretch, depending on what hap- what's happening right now in Los Angeles. Which uh, last thing last because of Nick, Nick told us twenty three twenty three at that point. I don't have the score right now because I'm focused on the the podcast. But this is a team that could go to the Super Bowl this year, and because of the mentality, because of everything you brought up. It, it just seems like this is – it's almost destiny. It's almost a magical team that they did not have – they couldn't do this last year. And I keep saying that. They can do it this year because Team Turmoil is dead. And, and like, right. I'm bringing up Harry Potter again. I feel like Baltimore <laughs> coming out and going, Team Turmoil is dead. But I feel that way. So, so, so a I, lot I of just, people – I just, just feel like it's magic. I just want people to remember last year, even though this, even though they were thirteen and three, they had to eke out wins with like Chris Boswell field goals to Green Bay without um you know, without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they were just getting by the Lions game. These weren't like great teams that, you know, they were just getting by with and yes they won it, but they they're 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 having more dominant wins now, um, with teams that they're better than. They, like I said, the Colts last year, I mean, they, they were just getting by in these games without the starting quarterbacks. They had, like, the whole stretch of playing backups at some point. So this is a better team, even though the record, say the record is similar or one game less, this, this year is definitely different. I agree with you. But uh, they're not going to face another defense as good as that defense for the rest of the year, though. Yeah, and I will agree with that, too. So – Ken, let me say to you, thank you so much. Enjoy your contributions. Enjoy your calling in. But most importantly, happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope you have a great week. And I'm going to talk to you next week after hopefully a mile-high hangover. Happy holidays, Ken. All right. Thank you, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. All right, buddy. Ken from Jersey, another, I you know, he is on the precipice of uh, the Hangover Hall of Fame. Um, that's that's another guy that uh, is so valuable. Um, Absolutely. You know, these guys, I I love when these guys call in. Vito, Nick, um, Ken, I love when these guys call in because they they contribute so much, and uh, I feel like I learn something when they call in. So th- that's a big thing. Tony, 
Um, we're uh, we're running short on time, so let's go ahead and uh, let's talk about those. Uh, let's channel some Myron here, and let's go Yonkos for those Denver Yonkos, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever he's. Gosh, I miss Myron. <laughs> so, for sure. So here are my thoughts. That's a team traditionally a hard place to play. But, I mean, uh, a venue that's hard to play. But, and they do have a dynamic Christian McCaffrey type player in Philip Lindsay. But I really think that this is a game where Ben can utilize the tight ends and just crush them. I've, I can see James Conner going off for 175 yards. I can see this, this happening in a big way next week after after winning a game that you played so poorly. This team doesn't put that many great I mean not not many bad performances together in a row. So what are your thoughts about next week in Denver? Well I mean this the six game winning streak and you you and Ken mentioned it, it it's been more dominant than it ever was last year. I mean they they're doing things in all areas, you know, on third down, in the red zone. Again, you know, they're not giving up big plays on defense. And it, it, all that, they, they weren't really good in any of those areas last year, at least not consistently. So I think, I look for them to get back to their, to their old ways, like the way they were against Cincinnati and, and Baltimore and Cleveland, Atlanta, and even Carolina. I look for them to have that kind of game next week because I think this team is definitely on the mission. It's definitely, it's more focused than I've seen it in a long time. Figure out a way to stop Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and slow those guys down. And they have a pretty decent secondary. But this defense is not as good as Jacksonville's, and, and I think they're gonna they're gonna be able to do some damage, especially with the tight ends, because Antonio Gates did some damage to them yesterday. And I look for Vance McDonald and Jesse James to have big games next week. Can they get over thirty? Yes, yes, I think they can. Will they? Will they? I think they will. I think they will. I think they're going to bounce back offensively next week. I really do. I think they're going to they're going to work off their Thanksgiving Day dinners, and I think they're going to they're going to remind us how dynamic they are on offense and and uh, how good of a team they really are. Once again, thirty four twenty eight is my prediction. I'm going to give you the option to uh, to say yes or no, um, or to go to uh, giving a prediction. I'm going to say 37-20. Okay. That's a, yeah, that would be a great score. I, I would love it. So hmm. next week they're going for seven, and hopefully at the end of the year in February they're going for seven. So that's the magic number. You've got your quarterback. You've got next week going for seven, and then you have seven wins right now. Seven in a row we're looking for. We're looking for Super Bowl number seven. That's a lucky number, so let's keep that going. But, you know, the most important thing that I say to you now is happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate you, Tony, and I I wish you the best with your family over this holiday. And then we're going to, uh, after the turkey hangover, we're going to bounce back, have a great game on Sunday. And then we'll be talking about it next Monday. Well, thank you, Brian, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. It's always a lot of fun talking to you and talking to Steelers football, and I hope you have a great holiday. And I can't wait to uh, watch a lot of football this week and eat a lot of food and talk to you next Monday at 930. Well, that sounds great, but 
I do have a quick programming note, and the programming note is that my usual Thursday night podcast with Jeff Hartman, the uh, preview show, will be tomorrow night because of the Thanksgiving holiday. So make sure you check that up out on our YouTube channel and all the other outlets that uh, we are on. So that is something uh, that's a, a very special show as well. So please go ahead and check that out as well as all of our podcasts on the BTFC podcast network. Um, we do have, don't forget the post games. Um, this is our hangover show. We wait a little while, but Jeff and Lance, they go ahead and do the post game um, right after the game. It is um, actually a great watch. If you go ahead and watch it on YouTube and all of those outlets. And don't forget the fact that they do the standard as the standard in the very same kind of platforms. And they do that on Wednesday nights as well. So uh, lots of content, but just don't forget the print aspect too. The online aspect of Behind the Steel Curtain, everything for all of your Pittsburgh Steelers needs, that's what we're here for, and we love doing it for you, so keep on checking us out. But for Tony Defio, my name is Brian Anthony Davis, and you, my friends, after a, I'm even going to call it historic, 20-16 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, you, my friends, have just been hungover. Good night. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus 30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.